everyone and welcome to full circle your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the first voice apprenticeship program broadcasting from right here at kpfa in huchin occupied ohlone territory also known to you settlers as berkeley we are still in the countdown to the inauguration what will it be a peaceful transition or battle royale i guess we'll have to wait and see But in the meantime, tonight, we return to Antioch and hear how the city council has flipped to the more progressive side, also now with a majority of people of color. Tonight, we will speak with newly elected city councilwoman, District 1 representative, Tamisha Walker. Also joining us tonight will be school board member, now possibly city clerk-elect, Ellie Householder, and newly elected school board trustee, Antonio Hernandez. All that and some great music tonight on Full Circle. I am your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin. Stay tuned to KPFA. All right, again, welcome back, everybody, to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program right here at KPFA. I am your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin. And as I said in the intro to the show, tonight we will return to Antioch and get some thoughts from our newly elected city councilwoman, District 1 representative, Tamisha Walker. And if you listened to last week's show, we had the newly elected mayor and vice mayor on the show. So tonight we want to continue that conversation. Welcome, Tamisha. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Thank you for having me. And first, let me just start off, of course, by saying congratulations on your win and ask you how you are feeling. Um, You beat out a couple of real contenders, especially Joy Motts, who is actually a beloved member of the community and was the incumbent to District 1 where you are. So how are you feeling? Um, This has been a up and down roller coaster ride for you what's it like to be it's um you know i'm i'm reflecting as a um activist and organizer and somebody who cares deeply about um community voice and participation of community and local government i'm i'm really excited around developing a co-governing structure where i lead with the community um and and just getting to know the city as an organization and meet the staff and just kind of see where where folks hopes are um i don't really think i beat joy mott it's funny because folks are like you're running against joy mott and i'm not i wasn't running against anybody i was running um for a seat we all it's all our right to do that and I feel like it was a very balanced results for the election. I, I don't think anybody should have beat anybody out. I think it tells, like I said originally, it tells a story about this district and the city of Antioch. So I'm excited to see what happens. And we'll get in more uh, about what it does say. Um, but before we do all that, a lot of people may not know you. So um, 
let's get to know a little bit about you, how you came to Antioch, what led you to this run for city council, and tell us about also the nonprofit that you started. So let's get to know you a little bit, Tamisha. Um, how long you been here? Where are you coming from? You know, what have you been doing to get you to this point? Yeah, I, I grew up in Richmond, Richmond, California. And I, you know, all my life, um, spent time moving around with my mom. I, I, I also, I spent a couple years living in Bay Point in uh, Pittsburgh. That's pretty much, um, I went to junior high out this way a lot and had a lot of friends out here. So I was kind of already exposed to East Contra Costa growing up, um, but Richmond was always home back and forth. I think a couple years ago, after really, you know, some real turbulent times in my life, I got an opportunity to, you know, kind of reflect and think on, you know, what do I want my future to be like? The development of legacy, meeting some great folks who invested in my leadership um, and healing. And I decided seven years ago that I wanted to be a homeowner. I wanted to um, leave the uh, system of Section 8 behind and um, own my own home, you know, the rents were getting higher and the landlords were gouging and I felt like it was time to do something different. So I decided to buy a home, ended up landing here in Antioch. Some amazing people were willing to, you know, sell us their property. And so I've been here five years, five years and uh, 10 years with the Safe Return Project who focuses um, decarceration. And the uh, Safe Return Project, that's your nonprofit that you helped start? Yeah, I'm a co-founder and now the executive director of the Safe Return Project. And just give us a brief thumbnail of what the Safe Return Project does. Yeah, we are a research, a participatory action research organization. They use grassroots and policy advocacy strategy to end the um, mass criminalization of black people and people of color and poor people. So we do a lot of justice reinvestment strategies. We actually did a lot to around organizing around the system of reentry we have now in the county. If it wasn't for the Safe Return Project and people impacted by criminalization organizing, this county would not have reentry um, right now today. And so just really excited about continuing um, that work with Safe Return. Great, great. Well, I'm glad you have that background. Well, there's much to talk about as it relates to Antioch and District 1, but we're going to start on some of the um, the common issues. Uh, one is homelessness. We are both in District 1. It's something we see on a regular basis. This is not the only area where our unhoused brothers and sisters can be found in Antioch, but it seems that we do have a large number that make downtown Antioch and the surrounding area their home. Um, we also know that our new mayor and your predecessor to District 1, Joy Motts, have done a lot of homework and research into the situation with their ad hoc committee. Um, some of the fruits of that labor have been the executive inn converted into a transitional housing. We have the FEMA trailers, although there's still no place to park them. This parking lot was one of the recommended places. Um, what kind of ideas do you have to help our unhoused community members and how do you plan on working with our new mayor-elect Thorpe and Vice Mayor Wilson and the rest of the council on this issue? Yeah, I think I've, I've already made it clear that, um, you know, it's my, my goal to understand who is our, what is our unhoused population. I believe the ad hoc committee probably have done some of that work 
So I'm really just interested in diving in and figuring out, like, what was the researcher done in the past to evaluate the situation? Um, what ideas have arisen other than the trailers, which are great, and I think trying to find somewhere to put those, and hopefully we can look at other districts <laughs> that might have space <laughs> other Definitely. than District 1. Um, and also just thinking about, um, you know, what are uh, what's happening in other places? I actually met a um, unhoused um, woman when I was downtown, just walking around, looking at how amazing and beautiful it is. And she was actually from Berkeley, and you know, was like, "It's getting cold out here," and was going back to Berkeley to find shelter because there isn't any here. So I think um, I would just like to see that ad hoc committee become a task force for housing and homelessness because we also have a really bad eviction um, problem going on here in Antioch and we need to address both of those. Great, great. Yeah, um, I think they have done a lot of studies and I'm, I'm kind of e eager for you to dive in too to see what will become of it because I know that there had been some obstacles in place with um, former uh, politicians in here and now it looks like we can move beyond the ad hoc committees into some real action. Well, let's talk about police accountability because um, you have seen my video that um, what happened to me and um, we we've have talked in the past about police accountability, police reform, transparency. As you know, I'm a very vocal advocate about my beliefs for reform in the city of Antioch and the police department. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a survivor of police violence and police terrorism. And I'll use those two words, police terrorism because I feel um, I was terrorized when I was attacked by the APD. I was terrorized when I had the threat of prison time hanging over my head as I battled a three-year court battle to stay unincarcerated. I was terrorized when I was spending every penny I had on legal representation, neglecting my other needs. And I feel what those two officers did to me, officers Hoffman and Kent, um, they should never, ever be police officers again. They should never be able to walk around with a deadly weapon, let alone have a legal right to use it. Yet, these officers were not only promoted into higher level positions, these officers were also awarded for Meritus Service Awards. And this was happening at the time when the city was cutting a check when um, I won my case and was getting a settlement um, for $250,000 because of these officers' um, bad behavior, and they were still getting awards. Um, these officers lied about what happened under oath in court. They lost, quote-unquote, evidence. They withheld evidence in the form of this video, and the department backed them the entire way. With stuff like this going on and speaking of myself from firsthand experience, how do you plan on holding police officers like Hoffman and Kent, you know, from my personal experience and Chief Brooks accountable? You know, what do you plan on doing to bring transparency to stories like my own? Right. I think, um, well, the first time we met, I don't know if you remember uh, when I first came to Antioch five years ago, I joined a protest outside City Hall where it was like a handful of us. <laughs> and um, it really, uh, it helped shape my analysis just even five years ago um, around how 
it was completely ignored how this behavior is ignored in this city and even trying to raise it up in spaces just as a community member and an organizer where you know there were law enforcement in a space it felt like nobody wanted to talk about the dark side of policing in Antioch all people wanted to do was just talk about uh, what was great about the police department and I think like for those folks who who believe you know don't want to recognize that there's a challenge just because they're they're probably the people who don't face the type of intimidation and brutality that other communities face um, here in Antioch, and not just again in Antioch, but nationally. I think, you know, I'm, I've already said, I, I, I hope that we can have some sort of, um, you know, body that can hold the local police department accountable, some, some kind of accountability, some way to be able to, um, do an evaluation of the police department. I know there have been pushbacks around releasing records of officers who have, you know, bad records and are bad actors. But I think um, being more transparent with data would definitely help. Um, I know folks were looking into body cams, so I'm, I don't know if we have those. Um, I, I think we have them, but and, they didn't purchase the software. Right. <laughs> so then you don't have them if you have them but no way to to use them then you don't have them so i think there are there are a lot of things i think there's this community conversation this bridging the gap conversation that folks have been talking about especially the activists that occupied the police department i think that that might be the first step but it's not the end all be all i know places like oakland have a, a um a body that holds the police department accountable and they also have subpoena power I think officers, um, you know, there's these dynamic with unions that we have to talk about. I think there's also this issue around lawsuits. Like you said, the ink wasn't even dry and this guy had been promoted. Well, well what if they, they had to pay, for, pay out of pocket for their own lawsuits rather than that money having to come from the city? There's also this idea of, like, in my opinion, they should be permanently desked if you can't, you know, some way to keep them off the street. And I definitely would not have them training new officers um, because it would it would, it could be potentially problematic if you're passing down that behavior to a new generation of enforcement. So it's it's a it's a lot. It's a big issue, and I think we definitely need to discuss it. Um, and then also there's the issue of budgets, which nobody is happy about, but we got to talk about that too. And luckily it has gone down in a while. They did, I think it was Measure W where they got some um, funding for youth services. And at that time, I believe the budget was almost 76% for the police budget. And yeah, I'm ready to have those conversations. I'm very excited about the board right now. And it's been a long time coming for me, um, at least a decade I've spent at that podium in the city council just kind of looking into like blank eyes and never getting um a return i will hand it to chief brooks though um that he did come out and approach me in the parking lot on numerous occasions after i spoke um but i'll just leave it at that he did talk to me <laughs> um so let's move on we got about five maybe six seven minutes left i want to talk business and development and um, proper development community-based development there are many areas that can use some help around town uh, we got everyone's favorite, everyone's baby that seems to be the downtown area, the Rivertown Business District. We've got um, what could be considered your neighborhood all down A Street, East 18th, up to Cavallo, Hillcrest. Um, 
What are your hopes for stimulating some business in these areas? And what does it mean? Because I heard you talk about it in another interview about having like community-based development that's going to benefit not just one group of people, but what's it going to do to to benefit the city? So what are you kind of thinking about? I'm a big fan of community benefits agreements when it comes to development. Um, I think it, it gives the community an opportunity to negotiate around the community needs and how, you know, what is, what's going to be the trickle down, right? So what, if a big developer comes in or we're redeveloping, um, how do we negotiate resources to the community? I'm also a big advocate of just engaging the community and development overall. So um, even when we're talking about small business development, revitalization, beautification, how do we clean up our communities? Um, and in my mind, in my experience, that's all participatory, which means we, we bring the community into those conversations and we actually find out what people want to see versus what the ideas that that we have i would talk to businesses in those areas and find out which i actually did on the campaign trail and what and it was almost like without a doubt every time we talked about small business we talked about safety we talked about home homelessness we talked about housing so you can't really address one without addressing the other and so i'm just really excited to roll up my sleeves and get out there with the community and have some um some real conversations and some participatory planning processes where we can actually get to where people want to be here in district in district one. Right on. Yeah. I'm looking forward. Um, again, I mean, the excitement is not leaving me because, um, just the way that I feel like I really had a voice in this election. Like I'm a big winner. Like people I voted for have won this time and things are changing. So I'm really feeling good. And, um, we are kind of getting down on the last few minutes, I left a little time for you to add any last words, but I also um, wouldn't mind if you would um, touch on the makeup of our city council. We kind of touched on it earlier and how it's kind of balanced out. And um, we got our second African-American mayor, and I know he's also a Latino, so he's, um, you know, a mixed race there. We got three people of color, two black women on our board. What does this say to you about our city and our elected representatives? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what it says. I'm I'm very I'm 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 very optimistic. But I'm also clear that that I have that there needs to be transparency. There needs to be co-governance and that that we we need to work together somehow. Um I'm not I don't want to play politics. I don't want to um get into this dynamic or this four, you know, this three vote theory, or you need four votes, or I don't care how many votes you need. (laughs) I just care that the vote that I have to offer is being leveraged to the community that I've been elected to serve. And that's all I care about. Yeah. And I feel like someone that comes from a board, um, you're going to vote for something that if it's logical, if it's good, if it benefits, no matter who presents it, right? It, it's not going to be um, just because they brought it up, it's an automatic yes or an automatic no. Right. No. If, if I <laughs> if I'll, that I don't operate like that. I've been on many I've been appointed to many county boards and commissions and task force and a lot of appointments. And um, that is not how I vote. 
that is that's not um, how I roll. But yeah, like you said, if something makes sense and it's comprehensive and it's going to benefit the community that elected me to represent them, then yes, I will. I will definitely vote for it. If it's something that makes absolutely no sense um, and I don't see the benefit to the people who elected me, then we we could potentially negotiate. Um, I'm all I'm always for it, and I'm all, I'm always down to abstain as well. So um, before we wrap up, what would you like to say just to your people, District 1, who brought you in and, um, you know, you had a good team that helped you work? And, you know, what do you got to say to um, your constituents out here? I just love all those people who threw down on our campaign team and came out in caravan. And um, I, I want to thank everybody who voted for me. I know we're waiting for the results to be finalized tomorrow, but I want to thank everybody who voted for me. And I mean, this might not be traditional, but I also want to thank, I want to thank everybody who didn't vote for me. I, I mean, you participated in democracy. You had, you made your voice heard. And so I value, I value your vote as well. And I represent you now. And so I'm willing to Think about how can we uh, have some common ground. What I'm most excited about is uh, cleaning up our streets, uh, talking about housing and homelessness, police accountability, and police and community relations, as well as youth, youth development and youth resources, which is why I'm so happy to be in this space right now, um, which is giving just like to be in this space of an elected leader and get to see what your community have to offer up front and how you can participate in that. I'm just so excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited for you. Well, thanks again, Tamisha, for speaking with us tonight on Full Circle. And I am ready to work with you in your district and our city and to help you out whatever way I can. I'm very excited that um, you were elected to city council, and now I'm hoping for great things for you and the city of Antioch. Thank you appreciate it looking forward to working with you as well and and the voters of district one right on and that is the voice of my guest tonight newly elected city councilwoman district one tamisha walker and we'll be right back with our next guest and that is the possible yes possible new city clerk ellie householder and one of our new school board trustees antonio hernandez stay tuned to full circle on kpfa all I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there. Won't stop now. Keep your hands up, get them in the sky for the homies that ain't making it in my folks locked down. I never went nowhere. What they saying, loot is back. Blame it on that conjure. The hood call it loot yak. And I'm on this foolish track. So I spit my foolish flow. My hands go up and down. Like the go. My verses still be serving. Tight like a million virgins. Last time on a college remix. Now I'm on the original version. Can't never count me out. Y'all better count me in. Got 20 bank accounts. Accountants count me in. Make millions every year, the South Champion. Cause all I do, all I, all I, all I, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get it up. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. 
they stay there. Yeah. And they say yeah. And they stay there. Serving me's a no-no Clean as a whistle as I pull out in my Rolls Royce Yellow bone passenger They see it, they say, oh boy Tell Kelly, back it up, my niggas call me loco Down for armed trafficking, don't make me pull that mofo Ask you what you laughing at, represent that mud life Dirty money, please, you better get your mud right We come together, holding hands and holler good life We all strapping all black, it's like mud life Hey all, welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA. And that was All I Do Is Win by DJ Khalid and a list of featured artists. And that was requested by and going out to my first guest you just heard, newly elected city councilwoman, District 1, Tamisha Walker. You can check her out on Facebook, Tamisha Walker, District 1, Antioch City Council. And as always, we will have a link on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show. And tonight we are talking local politics, Antioch, California edition, episode two. And you could check out last week's show for our interview with the new elected mayor and vice mayor, uh, Lamar Thorpe and Monica Wilson. And that again is on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. Well, let's move on because we have our next two guests on the line. Joining me now are Ellie Householder and Antonio Hernandez. Ellie is currently looking like our next city clerk, but there are still some votes to be counted, and we are recording this show and this interview on Thursday. By the time of air tonight, we will know, um, which is Friday, we will know if she is officially the winner or not. But for now, welcome Ellie Householder, hopefully our next city clerk. Hey, thanks for having me. Right on. Thanks for joining us. Also joining us is newly elected school board member, Antonio Hernandez. Welcome, Antonio. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I, too, um, am very excited to have you both. Antonio, um, as I mentioned a moment ago off air, I'm going to talk to Ellie for a second, and we'll bring you right back on in just a moment. Um, Ellie, so, yeah, let me start with you, because I want to first talk about the city clerk position. Um, Mayor-elect Thorpe talked about it a little bit on last week's show but give us the short version of some of the main responsibilities you will take on if you are indeed our new city clerk. Yeah, well, I think that the thing that gets me to understand what the clerk does the most, or like the way I like to think about it so that it's actually tangible, is that your city clerk, who you elect to be your city clerk, is the person that you want making sure that your other electeds and other um, government officials are doing what they're supposed to do. So city clerks really ensure transparency in the electoral process. Now that's both, you know, during election season and after. So some of the things I'll be doing is, you know, making sure the city council agendas are posted on time, um, different more clerical administrative things, but 
really um, the thing that I'm most excited about is to kind of push the boundaries of what our city clerk's office does and, and what we expect of our city clerk because in my opinion, you know, um, it's time to, you know, really bring the clerk's office into, you know, the 2020s. And that means reaching out to our young people, trying to, you know, ensure that they understand how their local government works, understand how to get involved, and really doing a lot of that outreach piece. So it's not only, you know, just ensuring accountability with the things that, uh, accountability and transparency with the things that come to your desk, but it's making sure that the people in the community who are most impacted by the decisions also know what's going on. And that's true accountability to me. So, And as far as I understand it, you will also be helping people get involved in the voting process. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, 100 um, percent. And part of that is just doing the outreach and explaining to folks uh, how to be involved. Right. So what is a board? What is a commission? Um, how do I sign up to be a part of that? What does it mean to be appointed? Um, these different things that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So, you know, I'm going to try to help explain that to folks and hopefully engage, you know, the diverse voices that live in our community. Well, you kind of mentioned it, but I want to kind of go back to this. What would you be looking forward to doing the most? I'm curious um, your plans for accomplishing outreach, uh, like voter registration, um, district one looked like it was only six, 66% in mm-hmm. Antioch and some of the other districts were coming in, in the mid or upper seventies. Um, what are your plans for accomplishing things like outreach and that, because you're really, I feel like, I don't know if you are breaking records or not, but I'm <laughs> sure you're kind of one of the youngest women in these positions you've been in, <laughs> yeah. uh, first on the school board and now looking like the city clerk. So I'm kind of assuming you'll be ushering in more of the use of social media to outreach mm-hmm. to the public. What are you thinking so far on like plans and ideas to reach out? Yeah, well, um, you're flattering me. <laughs> that does make me feel good. I mean, sometimes I, I have to remind myself as well, like I am the youngest person that was ever elected in Antioch. I am the youngest person ever elected to this clerk position. And I am the only one that's held two elected offices in Antioch at one time. Um, but with that, I mean, I think what I'm most excited about is using that platform and also just using the connections I have with folks in the community to do outreach. So, you know, just the other night, me and Councilwoman-elect Tamisha Walker were chatting about, you know, some of the things she's excited about in terms of engaging folks in her community, especially around the 18th and Cavallo area. And so I think one of the things is, you know, kind of that old school partnering with respected folks in a particular neighborhood um, and doing outreach to those folks, right? So, um, I have an education background. I was uh, uh, formerly a teacher. And so, you know, I think that I have the ability to like create a curriculum that's fairly engaging. So I think, you know, and that's a big part of the plan is just doing, again, that kind of just old school, like I know you, you know, invite me to your church or, you know, I know you, let's, let's have, let's, you know, set up a coffee and just talk to folks, right? Um, and a really non-threatening and really meeting people where they're at going into those communities, right? 
Um, but you're right. I think that the other benefit of having somebody who is young and who ha does have these kind of cross platforms is the ability to reach people on social media and considering, you know, we're in a global pandemic, we're going to be in a global pandemic for a while. Um, what's the best way to reach people? Probably through those screens we're looking at all day, every day anyways. And so, I mean, it's just really understanding how social media works and understanding how to authentically engage. It's not going to be just, you know, an intern in my office doing it which there's nothing against that, but I think that there's something when you actually get to hear from directly from your elected official, hey, um, here's some of the ways you can get involved, like DM me if you want more information and to be able to go back and forth with them um, on those different platforms. So I think those are kind of two of my big plans of just getting out into the community. I mean, I think that things are gonna go from real, you know, be on a spectrum of really formal to informal. Like I said, let's let's set up a coffee with some folks in your neighborhood. I could teach them a little bit or answer any questions they have about their government. But then also, you know, let's let's partner together and have like a town hall or to have a, a meeting where folks can go and they could sign up to be a part of those uh, boards and commissions. They can sign up to be a part of things. And then I would be able to be there, you know, answering their questions. So. Definitely like a, a lot of different um, initiatives for sure. But, you know, all I think uh, to me culminating around this kind of grassroots organizing experience that um, I do have experience in. Great. And talk about um, something me and Mayor Thorpe elect were talking about when we were talking about you coming in was that you felt there was some and there obviously is some under, I wouldn't say underserved, I guess underserved, but underreached out to communities, like you mentioned, 18th and Cavallo, like you mentioned, um, or like me and Lamar talked about the Sycamore area, mm -hmm. where politicians don't seem to go a lot or people don't do a lot of outreach. So how do you see reaching out into these areas? And the importance of that, because um, as someone that did some door knocking around town, it's, I've seen a lot of people that weren't engaged, weren't voting. Yeah, I mean, well, I think like for starters that, I mean, those are the neighborhoods that I grew up in and that I still occupy. I mean, I'm, um, you know, still going to that little quick stop on the corner of Ellen Sycamore. So I think in one respect, there's, you know, you can't over... I think emphasize the importance of actually being there, right? Then being able to see your face um, and not just for, you know, a specific ask or a specific purpose. And so I think there's that. Um, but, you know, the other way of engaging those kind of, um, you know, more under engaged, that's just what I call them, they're just under engaged communities, again, is that, you know, relying on my my network and who I know and and word of mouth to kind of get involved and get connected with some of these folks. I mean, you know, everybody's involved in some type of organization in some way, whether that's a friend group, that's a family group that you're connected to in some way, or whether that's being a part of your church or whatever. I think it's just understanding that, you know, we do kind of herd together as humans. And so, you know, who do I know that can get me into that pack? and just get me talking to those folks. And so, um, yeah, I think for me, it just, it's its funny because I've been asked this question before and it just comes so naturally to me because I've grown, I mean, I've, 
I'm a renter, so I've been all over Antioch, but it's predominantly been in the northern parts of Antioch and really on the more northwestern parts, which is that Sycamore area. So it's just very natural for me. Um, I think some of the things that are actually going to be a little bit harder is engaging some of those folks in, in southeast Antioch and in the um, in the neighborhoods where there's not really like maybe stores or places where people gather as much. Um, I think that's going to be a little bit trickier. Um, but again, I mean, you know, there's good old fashioned door knocking, there's good old fashioned mailers and, and again, social media. So couple different avenues in. I don't think it's going to be one strategy. I think it's going to take a couple different initiatives and different strategies to reach people across the city. Uh, definitely. And talk about a little bit how you feel seeing how our city has reacted like to the Black Lives Matter movement and some of our candidates that have got elected, such as yourself, who is a vocal supporter <laughs> of the Black Lives Matter movement, who has shown her face at many of the actions and the protests that have been in town. Um, and now we got Tumisha Walker, who is an activist organizer on the city council. Um, what does that say to you about um, our shift in Antioch and the demographics in Antioch? I mean, the word that comes to mind is validating. It has been the most, I mean, I have chill bumps all over me right now just thinking about having somebody like Councilwoman-elect Walker, having somebody even like, you know, uh, Mayor-elect Thorpe and, and other people that have gotten elected. I mean, uh, Trustee-elect Hernandez as well. It's so validating because this is the community that, I live in, right? These are, the, I think that the people that voted us into office and, and and even the people that voted for, you know, these progressive candidates who didn't win, it shows to me like I'm not crazy. And there are a lot of us in Antioch who uh, value the sanctity of life, you know, and that's, you know, in this context right now, that's black lives, right? Um, who understand the importance of getting out there and, and marching and aren't the ones who are honking at us trying to, you know, hurt protesters, but they're the ones that are standing in solidarity with us. They might not be there, but I think the the way the election shaped up and the way the votes were, it just shows me that a lot of people are standing in solidarity with this movement, standing with Black Lives, and they're really tired of the good old boys club. They're tired with the way that things always have been. They're tired with the status quo. And ultimately, to me, when I look around and see the people who ran, the people who came close to winning, the people who won, and these are all people that are not afraid to put in work. And I love that. I love that about um, these candidates and about, you know, my future colleagues that we're, we're people who we're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to get into the community and we're going to do the work. And so incredibly validating for sure. Right on. I feel that. And that is the voice of school board member and current hopeful winner of the position of city clerk, Ellie Householder. And we're talking local politics tonight on Full Circle. Also joining us here is one of our newly elected school board trustees, Antonio Hernandez. He's going to join the conversation and we'll talk about the future of the Antioch Unified School District. But first, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with more Full Circle on KPFA and KPFA.org. Stay tuned.
That's the mayor or the governor and the president. Now, none of them three people make no laws. They just be checking them. The laws come to their desk and all they do is say no or yes to it. So when the news station tried to tell us that Barack Obama couldn't put us on, we was all Saudi at Obama when it was the Congress members out along. We got to focus on the legislative branch. Yeah, they the ones that make the laws. Yeah, they the ones right how much food stamp money you get on the car. But when people that wanted to help us, wanted the job, I know they probably lost. Because we ain't even know their name. We ain't know their face. We ain't know it all. That's legislative, they make laws So what we want from the president is what they do Okay, y'all? See, they election every two years But we don't never even go to those The Congress, they can raise minimum wage But we ain't even really know it, though So you know how back in 08 When we all voted for Obama We was all supposed to go back in 2010 and vote for the Congress Cause they the ones make child support laws They the ones choose if your kids at school Get to eat steak or corn dogs The state house make the court calls So if the country failed, then you can't say it's them It's your fault, cause y'all ain't know the vote for Congress members that was for y'all And they don't gotta leave after four years And we just let them sit See, they don't wanna tell you this They want you to focus on the president Now the third branch is the judicial That's judges They the reason why John Crawford and Trey Vine had justice So when Meek Mill got locked up just for popping willies We blame the judge and not the city When they let her get voted in Cause they ain't know who to vote against Imagine life on the other side Roads better, schools better Everybody get their license back Grocery store food better Custody of your kids back Homeless people get new shelters If we gon' fix the U.S. We gotta start with them two letters Me and you Somebody told us that the government Wanna keep us broke But the only reason why those people in the government Is cause we ain't vote And I ain't talking about the president I'm talking about the ones we ain't know See they was gonna try to keep it low But it's gonna hurt them when they see the polls I know the world won't give me nothing So I gotta take it And I know it's a way we can win Why won't nobody say it Hey, 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 welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. That song you just heard was My Vote Will Count by Yellow Pain with Seven Streeter. And before the break, we were speaking with Ellie Householder, school board trustee, and looking like our next city clerk. And I wanted Ellie to stay with us as we bring in our final guest of the night. And that is newly elected school board trustee, Antonio Hernandez. Welcome, Antonio. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us tonight on Full Circle. And uh, first, please tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from here in Antioch, and why you wanted to run for school board trustee. Right. So, yeah, I grew up here in Antioch. My parents moved here uh, about 25 years ago, and I'm currently 26 years old. Um, they immigrated here from Mexico and decided that Antioch was going to be where they were going to raise our family. And so I've been in Antioch. I've been through the um, Antioch Unified School District from kindergarten through high school. 
Um, and, um, you know, it's just been um, great to, to be able to now Uh, run and see all these different areas of uh, the city here. Um, I live also in that northern part of uh, Antioch. I live um, just a few blocks from um, Antioch Middle School, which is, you know, headed toward that downtown area um, that you guys have been kind of discussing with uh, Ellie. All right. And um, real quickly, let me just ask Ellie to, um, to get you going, um, Antonio, um, Ellie, what were the issues that the school board was working on as um, you're still on the board? So what's on the top of the list with the current board? I know student safety was a big concern after the shooting of the student at Deer Valley um, at the high school basketball game, but also now it must be on how to handle distance learning in the time of COVID. So what are you all working on there that Antonio is about to get into? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, Jonathan Parker tragically was murdered following a basketball game at Deer Valley High School. And so, um, and that happened actually around February. So that's right, right before the pandemic hit, right before the ch shelter in place. And so um, to me, you know, safety is all, I mean, safe, we all want our kids to be safe, right? Um, but especially after that, it was really, you know, an awakening, at least in me, that's why I try to get there to be uh, different safety meetings, but I digress. Um, and so safety is definitely going to be top of the list, but also, I mean, we're in a global pandemic, right? Um, and so I'm really, really looking forward to trustee elect Hernandez joining us because um, he does have a health background. And I know that, you know, I've worked in health services, like I understand, um, the health sector. Uh, but I think that having more minds who kind of get what the, the, the real weight of the reality of this pandemic um, for the health and safety of our community, is, it's going to be refreshing. So that's going to be, I think, day one, uh, we need to be talking about uh, distance learning and what we're going to do to make sure that our kids, uh, we, we mitigate the, um, the discrepancies in student achievement but then also making sure that safety is still right, right there at the top of our list too. Uh, thank you, Ellie. And Antonio, have you been following the school board meetings? I'm sure you have. Um, how would you like to tackle some of these issues and what's on the top of your list? Yeah, I think the, I've definitely been following along and I think, um, you know, uh, trustee householder really hit the nail on the head also um, that the number one thing that we got to be talking about is the global pandemic. Um, and I think sometimes um, we've been forgetting that that is the number one thing going on. And there, there is a lot of issues that we need to work on, such as school safety, such as addressing the equity issues that we have and closing the achievement and opportunity gaps for our black, Latinx, homeless and foster youth students. But um, in order to get there, we really have to deal with the issues that are going on with distance learning um, and with the global pandemic, um, because I think the teachers are very clear that um, this is challenging and this is hard. And, um, you know, kids have been expressing that um, it's challenging and it's hard. 
Um, and we need to be very proactive and not um, reactive um, as leaders. Um, I think one of the things, you know, that surprised me at the beginning of this whole thing, um, you know, it was a great service that the school district provided laptops and um, is providing hotspots to students. Um, but it's not like these issues weren't things that already existed before. Um, we've had students who don't have access to technology. And even before this pandemic, things like a laptop, um, things like access to internet was crucial to getting your education. And it took a global pandemic, it took a crisis for us to kind of be a little bit more proactive about that. And so that's really what I'm focused and looking at is what other crisis are we ignoring um, just because we haven't been pushed by something um, on this large of a scale. All right. Thank you, Antonio. Um, yeah, the pandemic has really put uh, the strain on not only the teachers, but the students and their parents, obviously, because their parents, um, they're not trained teachers. They're working their best and um, some of them may not even be home. So it's really tough. Well, let's let's move on, because I want to talk about one of the biggest issues we faced as a school board. Um, you all as a school board recently was the clearing the way, so to speak, for the introduction of school resource officers, basically um, putting police in our schools. At this point, um, we aren't even doing in-school learning yet. But uh, what is your thoughts on the SROs, Antonio? And then uh, we'll ask you, Ellie. Um, Antonio. Yeah, so I am 100% uh, against um, the school resource officers being in our schools. I was very disappointed to see um, that decision at the school board level. And really, the uh, you know, I come at it from a number of different angles. Um, and I think first and foremost, I understand that the community wants safety um, and is looking for solutions. And it's easy to you know point at something like police officers and think that that's um, the solution moving forward. Um, and I definitely you know am right there with everyone else that safety needs to be our top priority. Um, but I'm here trying to see how can we prevent. Um, school violence years before it happens, not just seconds before it happens. And that involves, you know, making sure that our students have access to uh, their basic needs, that we're addressing behavioral issues, uh, things that have, uh, you know, making sure they have access to counselors, um, things that really have shown to prevent behavioral and violent issues uh, long before they kind of uh, arise and happen like that. Um, and so I just think that, um, you know, even regardless of what people think about police officers, even from a cost effectiveness standpoint, um, I think we could bring in a lot um, more um, effective staff, such as, you know, bilingual liaisons, counselors, um, and all those different kinds of staff that can kind of take on those roles um, that will help us reduce school violence um, on a long term scale, not just on a very short term scale. And Ellie, how about you? Where do you stand on the school resource officers? The Unified School District, Antioch, has cut counselors. So how do you see this? I completely agree with everything that trustee-elect Hernandez just said. But, you know, the thing that comes to my mind is, okay, yeah, we're talking about safety. but um, and, and we're talking about safety as it relates really around the murder of Jonathan Parker, the reality is a school resource officer by definition wouldn't have been there at that game. Now there could have been something in the contract, there could have been an agreement for sure that, um, you know, that, that gave that 
SRO overtime in this theoretical situation we had them at Deer Valley, but that's just not typical. School resource officers usually leave at three o'clock. So I think to just bust a myth right away, like I'm for safety and I don't think that that's yes cops, no cops. I think that that's where are they gonna actually be effective. At a game where there's a bunch of people from the public coming onto a public or coming onto a campus with children, yeah, a, an officer should be there. Now, should they be there when that ch when those children walk the school halls at eight o'clock in the morning as they're you know going to their algebra class? No. Um, and so I think that you know it's it's this idea of cost effectiveness and also just I don't know kind of common sense to me like what's actually going to keep the kids safe. And then again, you know, some common sense things would be to have lights that work and that are on um, because there are parts of our campuses that are dark. And, you know, we know just by our intuition and studies and everything says that if you just have the lights on, it's probably going to be a little bit safer. And so I think that there's just a lot of things that we could be doing, um, like Trustee Electronanda has talked about, that would be that would ultimately lead to our kids being safer. And I think all of these conversations have to be centered around a comprehensive safety plan. Every district in the state of California is required to have one, and that plan is um, approved and adopted by the school board. Um, and we really don't have one. Effectively, we don't have one. I mean, we have things that uh, we've copy and pasted from the you know California uh, Education Code, but we don't have something that is applicable that you know, has the layouts of our of some of our schools to show, okay, what does happen in a case of an emergency? So, you know, common sense and just, you know, it takes, we gotta go step by step. And I think that first step is admitting that we need to have a plan. All right, thank you, Ellie. And we're getting low on time, but lastly, for both of you, before we go, tell us, and especially for the young folks in the back, why is it so important to get involved in local politics and especially to vote in your local elections? Let's just start with Ellie. I mean, as we're recording this right now, I am 34 votes ahead of my opponent. Um, and so for me, that idea that every vote counts is just it. I feel it right now, and it really does. And I hope that the provisionals go my way tomorrow or tonight, which is Friday. Um, but every single one of those votes is gonna is gonna matter, and it's gonna be a deciding factor. And then look, you have me, a 27 year old, even Antonio Hernandez is 26. It's like we're living proof like that change is possible, and that um, there are people who have your best interests and your voice, um, you know, at heart. So. It matters. And Antonio, um, why um, why do you feel it's so important to get involved in local politics and to vote, especially in your local elections? Yeah, it's hugely important to get involved with local politics. It, nothing else in government will have as big of an impact on your day-to-day -day life as local government. Um, and so it's been exciting to see um, some of our youth um, really engaging with the process, um, really getting their voices heard um, as what was happening with that school resource officer decision. Um, because our students are ultimately, especially when it comes to a school district level, they're the ones who are going to have to uh, deal with the decisions that our school district makes um, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week, they're the ones who um, really are receiving, um, 
you know, that experience of our decisions. And so um, it's just it's huge for them to uh, communicate um, what it is that they need to get the best educational experience that they can. Um, I think it's really easy to think that um, elected officials have some kind of a secret network that they tap into to get information about the community. Uh, but the re reality is that, is that a lot of the information that um, elected officials work off of is through the conversations that they have with people. And if they haven't heard um, what's going on, then they don't have the best information possible. And so just getting out there voting and uh, really expressing, um, you know, what's going on to your elected officials goes a very, very long way because they are listening and I'm definitely listening. All right, that was the voice of school board trustee-elect Antonio Hernandez. And before that, you heard Ellie Householder, who will hopefully, hopefully be our next city clerk. And she still is a school board trustee. Um, she is not going to be leaving that position. You can follow them both on Facebook. And um, we will have a link to their Facebook and social media handles. Do you guys want to throw your social media out there real quick, Ellie? Yeah, it's at householder925 on all platforms. So H-O-U-S-E-H-O-L-D-E-R-925. And Antonio? Yeah, so I am Antonio4AUSD on all the platforms, and that's Antonio, F-O-R-A-U-S-D. All right, well, I thank you two for joining us tonight on Full Circle. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you again. This was awesome. I love KPFA. That's my, you know, go-to radio station. And so it's kind of a little bit of a bucket list dream here to be on KPFA. All right. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show for pictures and archive shows. Also important links and information. Our executive producer is Miss M. Joy Moore is our production consultant. I have been your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin. I am also the technical director for this show, Full Circle. Thanks for listening tonight. And everyone, please remember in these trying times we're in to please protect your health and your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA because up next is La Onda Fajita. Peace. <laughs>